I'm not going to steal Susan's thunder today, uh, like I did last time, and uh, but I wanted to welcome you. And um, w Ashley won't be here today. Um, she called and uh, said that she wasn't feeling great, but everything's okay. So um, in her place, I'll be doing uh, the prayers of God's people. Um, and then Susan has the announcements and and. Uh, uh, Certainly we'll be praying for uh, our world and the chaos that is going on in it right now. And um, in for those in our own church that are going through their own challenges and struggles. So, Susan, will you take it away? Huh? Yes. Yeah. You can. I was going to let you do that if you wanted to. So, very good. Good morning, everybody. Nice to see you. Um, for those of you who may not know, I'm pretty sure everybody does, but uh, Jane Longino passed away uh, this week, and I guess services are pending, and we'll get all that out, information out as soon as possible. But um, so, uh, Godspeed to Jane. Uh, she was a loved member of this congregation, and we will all miss her. Um, our mission this month is uh, Samaritan's Purse Operation Christmas Child. Uh, we will only be donating. We're not going to be collecting anything. Um, so if you want to donate to that um, for that purpose, uh, that's going to be our mission. <clears throat> they um, provide Christmas boxes to children in disadvantaged areas of the world. So it's a really uh, a worthwhile organization. Um, Sit and Be Fit continues on Tuesday mornings. We have multiple opportunities for Bible study. Uh, there's on Tuesday morning, or Tuesday afternoon, I should say, around noon, we have a Bible study. The men's Bible study is on Saturday mornings. <clears throat> and Tuesday evenings, pastor has a Zoom meeting um, Bible study as well. So let him or Ashley know that you want to be invited to that, and they'll send you an invitation. <clears throat> and if you haven't used Zoom, it's very simple. Um, they, they kind of just talk you through it. <clears throat> the council meets this Saturday at 9.30, and everybody is welcome to come. <clears throat> I would like to, um, I'm going to be working on the, <coughs> excuse me, I'm going to be working on the budget real soon, so if you, anybody has a, um, a budget concern or an idea for budgets, um, please let me know or Ashley or Pastor know, so we can make sure to, to include that. Um, and really, you know, no matter how dismal our lives may seem, we always have something to praise. And so you can um, submit your praise to Ashley, and it'll be in the announcement, in the bulletin. Or if you don't do that, just praise God anyway. Just, just praise for the good things in our lives, and we all have those. Um, as always, we're looking for worship assistance if you have if you want to work and help in any way, um, Ashley will find a place for you. So uh, it doesn't have to be one of the items here, but she'll find a way to help have you help the church. Reformation Day is coming up um, on October 29th. Put that on your calendar where read that day. Um, All Saints Day is coming up as well. So if you have someone that you've lost in the past year, um, let Ashley know. And, We'll be sure to recognize that person on All Saints Day. 
And um, Victory Outreach is having a harvest festival and are, is looking for donations of candy, like bags of candy. So if, uh, if you have it in your heart to, to contribute to that, I'm sure they would appreciate it. And you can give that candy to Ashley and she'll get it to them. Okay, I think that's everything. Thank you so much.
you please stand if you're able? We come together this morning in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open and all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. <clears throat> if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sins to God our Father, most merciful God. We confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us, forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you, and for his sake, he forgives you all of your sins. And as your called and ordained servant of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Amen. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia. 
Worthy is Christ, the Lamb who was slain, whose blood set us free to be people of God. Power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and blessing and glory are his. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia. Sing with all the people of God and join in the hymn of all creation. Blessing and honor and glory and might be to God and the Lamb forever. Amen. This is the feast of victory for our God, for the Lamb who was slain has begun his reign. Alleluia, alleluia. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Gracious God, you gave your Son into the hands of sinful men who killed him. Forgive us when we reject your unfailing love and grant us the fullness of your salvation. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. The first reading this morning is taken from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 5, verses 1 through 7, and this can be found on page 1309 in your Pew Bible. This uh, Old Testament reading from the prophet and the psalmist that follows have the same theme, and that is God provides all of our blessings, everything, and he demands respect and appreciation. And if we don't provide that, there are consequences. So, Isaiah chapter five, beginning with the first verse. I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. My loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He dug it up and cleared it of stones and planted it with the choicest vines. He built a watchtower in it and cut out a wine press as well. Then he looked up for a crop of good grapes, but it yielded only bad fruit. Now you dwellers in Jerusalem and the people of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. <clears throat> what more could have been done for my vineyard than I have done for it? When I looked for good grapes, why did it yield only bad? Now I will tell you what I'm going to do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge, and it will be destroyed. I will break down its wall, and it will be trampled. 
I will make it a wasteland, neither pruned nor cultivated, and briars and thorns will grow there. I will command the clouds not to rain on it. The vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the nation of Israel, and the people of Judah are the vines he delighted in. And he looked for justice, but saw bloodshed, for righteousness, but heard cries of distress. Now we'll read Psalm 80 uh, responsively, verses 7 through 19. And it's printed in your bulletin on page six. Restore us, God Almighty. Make your face shine on us that we may be saved. You transplanted a vine from Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it and took root and filled the land. The mountains were covered with its shade the mighty cedars with its branches. Its branches reached as far as the sea, its shoots as far as the river. Why have you broken down its walls so that all who pass by pick its grapes? Boars from the forest ravage it, and insects from the fields feed on it. Return to us, God Almighty. Look down from heaven and see. Watch over this vine. The root your right hand has planted, the sun you have raised up for yourself. Your vine is cut down, it is burned with fire. At your rebuke, your people perish. Let your hand rest on the man at your right hand, the son of man you have raised up for yourself. Then we will not turn away from you. Revive us and we will call on your name. Restore us, Lord God Almighty. Make your face shine on us that we may be saved. The epistle this morning is taken from Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 3, verses 4 through 14. And this can be found on page 1828 in the Pew Bible. The theme here is do not place confidence in oneself compared to confidence in the saving grace of Christ. Paul writes, though I myself have reasons for such confidence, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, 
but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Alleluia. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew from the 21st chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Our Gospel this morning is from Matthew. Chapter 21, verses 33 through 46, and can be found on page 1533 in your pew Bible. Matthew records, Listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, and he dug a wine press in it, and he built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers, and he moved to another place. And when the harvest time approached, he sent his servants to the tenants to collect his fruit. The tenants seized his servants. They beat one. They killed another. And they stoned a third. And then he sent other servants to them, more than the first time. And the tenants treated them the same way. And last of all, he sent his son to them. They will respect my son, he said. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to each other, This is the heir. Come, let's kill him and take his inheritance. So they took him, and they threw him out of the vineyard, and then they killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? He will bring those wretches to a wretched end, they replied. He will rent the vineyard to other tenants who will give him his share of the crop at the harvest time. And Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures that the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. And therefore, I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruits. And anyone who falls on this stone will be broken into pieces, and anyone on whom it falls will be crushed. And when the chief priests 
and the Pharisees heard Jesus' parables, they knew that he was talking about them. And they looked for a way to arrest them. But they were afraid of the crowd because the people held that he was a prophet. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. So, last week, we heard about an encounter between Jesus and the chief priests and the elders. And it was Holy Week. That's the scene. On the first day of the week, Jesus rode a donkey from the Mount of Olives to the temple while Passover pilgrims praised him. And then he chased the merchants and the money changers out of the temple. It was a busy week. And after that, he healed some people. And when Jesus returned to the temple to teach, it brings us to uh, where it says uh, the chief priests and the elders were waiting at the temple. They wanted to check him out. They wanted to confront him. And they said, when he entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came up to him as he was teaching. And they said, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority. That was last week's gospel, Matthew 21. That was verse 23. And then you may remember that Jesus responded with a question of his own. He said, the baptism of John. From where did it come? From heaven or from man? And the temple authorities were afraid to answer Jesus' question. And so Jesus declined to answer theirs. And then he told the parable of the two sons. Do you remember those two sons? One said, no, I'm not going to go. And then he went, and then the other son said, yes, sir, I will go. And then he didn't. And this week begins where last week's reading came to an end. Now, just because last week's ending came to an end, it does not mean that Jesus stopped talking to the priests, the chief priests and the elders. Truth is, Jesus continued to speak with them and about them. And the reading that we just heard is just one, just one of the parables that Jesus told while he was in the temple that particular day. So keep a few things in the back of your mind as we go through this parable. Many of the events that were represented in the parable, these will happen. They would happen in less than a week. For we know that in a few days, Judas will betray Jesus. In less than a week, Jesus will suffer and die on the cross and raise from the dead. And the chief priests and the elders we're already having secret talks 
about how to destroy Jesus. And Jesus knew that this was coming when he told this story. Jesus painted a word picture for his listeners. He said, Hear another parable. There was a master of a house who planted a vineyard and put a fence around it, and he dug a wine press in it and built it a tower. And then he leased it to tenants, and he went into another country. He went away. And when the season for the fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the tenants to get his fruit. Okay? So this setup for this parable would have been a very familiar story for all who were listening. There's no doubt that many of the Passover pilgrims who listened to Jesus, they'd seen vineyards just like the one in this parable. His listeners would be very familiar with the idea of renting land for a share of the crops it produced. There may even have been vineyard owners and workers listening to Jesus when he told this parable. Within the context of this parable, the landowner represented God. The vineyard represented Israel. And the many details involved in the planting of the vineyard, the fence, the tower, the wine press, and so forth, show that God had blessed Israel with all that it needed to thrive and to grow. And the tenants represent the spiritual leadership of that nation. In the current circumstances, that would have been the chief priests and the elders of the people. The same people who had come up to him and asked by whom or by what he drove and got his authority. The servants who came to collect the crop would be God's servants, especially his prophets. And the fruit that they expected would be repentance and faith. So after Jesus set the backdrop of the parable, he started making his point when he said this, the tenants took his servants, they beat one, killed another, and stoned another. The tenants turned out to be violent, insane criminals. There's no sense at all for what they were doing. You know, only the most stupid arrogance would believe that it could get away with such a crime. The sentence represents the violent history of Israel towards God's prophets and other servants. For example, the writer in Hebrews, he describes the life of the prophet quite well, quite gruesomely. We read in Hebrews, some were tortured refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. They were killed with the sword. 
They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy. They were wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. That's Hebrews 11, verses 35 through 38. Israel's history toward the prophets was one of unbelieving rebellion, violence, and torture. And under these circumstances, the landowner had the right to punish these tenants with death. And that is exactly what an ordinary landowner would do. However, the landowner in the parable is not ordinary, is he? Again, it's written, he sent other servants more than the first. And they did the same to them. And here Jesus illustrated the incredible mercy, the incredible grace of God. Instead of judging Israel and destroying it, God sent more prophets. And this teaching is consistent with the words that God gave to Ezekiel. It was written, As I live, declares the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn back from your evil ways. For why will you die, O house of Israel? That's Ezekiel thirty-three eleven. God offered. God offered life to Israel. And despite this, God's prophets continued to suffer cruel violence. And at this point, the landowner in the parable did something absolutely insane. It's written, finally he sent his son to them, saying, they will respect my son. You know, given the history of these tenants, no earthly landowner would have done this. An earthly landowner might send his son at the head of an army with orders to destroy the tenants, but he would never send his son to collect fruit of the vineyard. The amazing thing is, is that Jesus was teaching about himself at this point. He himself, we know, is the Son of God. He has come just as the prophets came before him. And the parable is about the person who first told it. And as Jesus continued, the tenants reveal the extent of their insanity. When the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, <laughs> This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and have his inheritance. And they took him and they threw him out of the vineyard and they killed him. Who in their right mind would believe that they could become heirs of an estate by killing the current heir to the estate? You know, to the best of my knowledge, there has never been a legal system in history that would allow such a thing. And even so, 
this parable is eerily accurate in its detail. The tenants threw the son out of the vineyard before they killed him. It is in a similar matter. The Romans, the soldiers, will lead Jesus out of Jerusalem and they will crucify him. And the parable illustrates the events that will happen to Jesus by the end of the week. Now Jesus closed the parable by asking his hearers to judge the tenants in the parable. It was written that when therefore the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to the tenants? This is the good part. They said, he will put those wretches to a miserable death and let out the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the fruits in their seasons. The judgment is death. The owner will kill the tenants and replace them with faithful people. We know that there is a hot place in hell for people who violate the precious trust that God has placed in their hands and do not repent. This parable is actually quite terrifying in its judgment. And the sad thing about this parable is that the fact is that it is God's intent to make all people fellow heirs with Christ, as the Apostle Paul wrote in his letter to the Roman church. He wrote, The Spirit himself bears, bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. That's Romans 8. So, within the context of the parable, it was the landowner's intent to make the tenants heirs with his son. The landowner intended to freely give them the very thing that they tried to take by violence. The insanity of their evil not only caused them to lose this gift, but their lives as well. They could have had it all, but they lost it all instead. The parable in today's gospel is a true tragedy. It ends with a dead son and damned tenants. Jesus powerfully punctuated, he powerfully punctuated this ending with a quote from Psalm 118. Jesus said to them, Have you never heard in the scriptures? that the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. That was in Matthew 21, verse 42. And with these words, Jesus made it clear that the fate of those in the parable need not be our fate. Though there was the rejected stone, this stone became the cornerstone. So Jesus himself did not remain rejected. Although Jesus died in rejection, he did not remain in the grave. He rose from the dead to become the cornerstone upon the, which the church depends. And under God's grace, get this, under God's grace, even the evil tenants need not be damned. It would not surprise me at all 
if some of those who voted to crucify Jesus later repented. It would not surprise me at all if they had heard the preaching of the apostles and received the gift of faith from the Holy Spirit. It would not surprise me at all that through the gift of the faith from the Holy Spirit and the one whom they crucified, they are now in heaven praising God. God's grace is for all. He wants to give it to us freely for the sake of the perfect life, the suffering, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. And if we insist that God must save us on our terms, then we shall follow the example of the wicked tenants in the parable. When God has his way, when God has his way, we will die in Christ and follow him. We will not remain in the grave, but we will rise from the dead, just as Christ rose. We are already, we are already children of God. Jesus has placed his righteousness in our hearts, and we will live with him forever. In the name of Jesus, amen.
And when you can't contain your joy inside Then dance for Jesus Dance for Jesus Dance for Jesus Kiss the world goodbye Then go in peace And laugh on glory's side And fly to Jesus Fly to Jesus Fly to Jesus Jesus, fly to Jesus and live. Will you please stand if you're able? Let us now confess together our faith to the words of the Apostles' Creed found on page 3 of your bulletin. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray for the whole church in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Heavenly Father, we lift up heavy on our heart this morning the family of Jane, her children and grandchildren and great-grandchild. We know she's with you, Lord, and we know that you get to hear that laugh that you gave her that we will hear one day again. Thank you for her. Father, you planted, nurtured, and hedged around your vineyard, the church. You sent your dear son to give his life for her, inspire her by your Holy Spirit to yield much fruit for your kingdom and grant that many find shelter on her holy hill. Lord, in your mercy, merciful Father, since your Son 
has made us his own by his death, grant that we may share in his sufferings with confidence, that we may also know the power of his resurrection. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, grant all orphans a safe place in which to grow and thrive. Bring into their lives generous couples who will open their hearts to give them permanent homes through adoption. Lord, in your mercy, shine your light upon us, O Lord, that we may do what is good and right and live as faithful citizens in our nation. Bless Joseph, our president, Gavin, our governor, and all those elected and appointed to make, administer, and judge our laws. Lord, in your mercy, divine vine dresser, you prune those who you love. Strengthen our hearts to heed your law, that we may never presume to sin nor trust in our own deeds. But look to the rainfall of your grace for our source of life. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, you bring forth from this barren earth a holy people to press forward to your heavenly goal. Direct, your, or direct our zeal toward your good and gracious purpose and prosper the work of the hands of that labor in your name. Lord, in your mercy. O Lord, prepare our hearts to receive the Lord's body and blood in this Holy Supper. Strengthen us in faith and renew us in love by this Holy Communion. Bring us at last with all the saints to dwell in your everlasting presence. Lord, in your mercy. Merciful Lord, you sing the song of your love over the vineyard of your church. Lift her united voice through your spirit, that she in turn would freely praise your lavish grace and proclaim your salvation beyond her walls. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Now may the peace of the Lord be with you all. Let us share the peace. Will you pray with me? Blessed are you, O Lord our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness you have blessed us with these gifts. With them we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made for the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. 
It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, through Christ our Lord, who on this day overcame death and the grave. And by his glorious resurrection, he opened to us the way of everlasting life. And so, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name, and we join their unending hymn, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord, Lord God of power and might, Heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. In the night in which our Lord Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread, and he gave thanks. And then he broke it, giving it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup, and he gave thanks. And then he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and drink. This is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this in remembrance of me. For we know that as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, that we proclaim Christ's death, his resurrection, and his glorious coming again. Let's now pray together the prayer that Jesus gave to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. So you're the king's kids. And the father's with his son prepared a wonderful meal for us. A foretaste of the feast to come. The feast, the wedding feast of the lamb. In the feast here, it is promised that this rescues us, the belief in him rescues us from sin, death, and the devil, a means of grace that is applied on you every Sunday. That's why we do it. Luther said, if you don't have the holy sacrament of the altar every Sunday or every time you meet, you don't have a church. And so we do, and we take Jesus at his, at his word. This is my body given for you. This is my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. May this comfort you. May it keep you in his joy. Come, the table is prepared, and the ushers will bring you forward.
And now receive the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and grant you his perfect peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.